Tarnadi is the festival of contemporary Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander art. Visit the exhibition at the Art Gallery of South Australia until the 21st of January, 2024. Hi, I'm Raymond Zeta, and in this bumper episode of Tarnandi 2023, I'm at the launch of the Saltbush Country Exhibition at Port Pirie Regional Art Gallery. Later, I'll be speaking with the exhibition's curator, Marika Davies, but first up, let's hear from each of the seven artists about their work. My name's Marley McCumber. I've uh, lived and worked in Port Augusta for the past 20 years. I am Eastern Aranda, Gurindji, Pitjantjatjara, Yankunjatjara descendant. And most of my childhood was growing up on APY lands, so in Dolkin and Fregon and uh, Granite Downs. And then we moved to Alice Springs and then back to uh, Adelaide. And I grew up there for the, my teenage years. But um, after that, I ended up going back to... I left school. I didn't want to have any more stuff down there, doing any more school stuff down there. So I went back to community. I went and sat at in Dalkana for four years. Um, so when I was 19, I then returned to Adelaide to live. <laughs> and then on to Port Augusta after that. And, yeah. and your art practice, when did that come about? To be honest, like I went through this phase, I had a bit of depression and I was finding it hard to leave my house. I had to take time off of work. It took nearly two years to get back to work. I sort of had like a breakdown and I didn't know how to cope with it. And my mum suggested, because she's an artist as well, she said, you know, why don't you do some painting and drawing and stuff, get into your art stuff. So that's really taken me out of that depression and stuff now. I think you can tell by the colours that I use on my paintings. Yeah, They're pretty very vibrant bright. and bright, yeah. <laughs> so, um, And the, the style that you paint, is that, did, did you get, did you learn that from your yeah, mum? Yeah, that was, learnt, I learned that from my auntie Ingrid Treacle. She's a, a well-established artist with the APY Collective. Um, her base is Freegon, Calgary. Um, she used to sit with us in the creek at Freegon when we were little kids and draw those symbols in the sand and tell us stories about them. I can't remember too much about the stories, but I used to visualise those in colour. So that's why a lot of my artwork is very colourful and it's those symbols that she's taught us when we were kids, me and my sisters. It's all, it's all very, very bright and very colourful. Yeah. Uh, and the stories that you're telling, are they all bright stories as well yeah they're happy times growing up on APY lands so um you know there's not a great lot of stuff to do there um for a child but you know sitting down in the creek and listening to um your auntie talk about cultural things and you know how how she draws and stuff like that it's um it's really hit home like I'm glad I can tell that story again through my art yeah so it's not only painting as well, there's some weaving that you have in this exhibition. Yeah, I've, I've learnt to weave off uh, my nana Kay Tunkin. She'd come to Port Augusta. Um, but I didn't know anything about weaving until back in 2014, I reckon it was, or 15. She taught me how to start weaving and stitching and stuff like that. And yeah, just been doing it ever since now so. and those same bright colors flow through to your yeah. weaving as well yeah they do yep and I your jewelry colors. you're wearing yes. your jewelry <laughs> I, love, I love color <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome thank you that'll be great <laughs> no worries <laughs> yeah sandra saunders i'm narrandary bow and deck 
from uh, I live at Wangri, just out of Port Lincoln, 45Ks out of Port Lincoln. And you've created two new works for this exhibition. Can you tell us about those? Yes, I have. The first one's called Finders Keepers, which is uh, Captain Cook invading Australia. And uh, I've written on the sails what he had in his diaries, which was uh, all they seem to want is for us to be gone. That's where the name Finders Keepers come from because did he take any notice of that? No, he didn't. Uh, And, uh, you know, they just assume that the land can be theirs and they claim the land for for England and yet it's owned by all the Aboriginal people who lived here. So that sense of finders keepers, you know, Mm. is where the name comes from. So it's an oil on Belgium linen, yeah. And the other work is... The the other work work. is um, about the voice. I uh, spent a lo- a quite a long time thinking about uh, the statement from the heart and uh, what it meant for me and uh, uh, how I felt about where it was going. So I decided to paint a painting about it. So I did, uh, I've got a big clock, a big like a grandfather's clock which is made in England. And uh, I've got uh, Uluru and Parliament House, which represents the uh, referendum and the people gathering at Uluru to uh, uh, present the stuff to Parliament House. And the clock is ticking down and I'm saying, you know, the time is now. You know, Australia, you're either going to do it now or it's never going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, that's an oil on canvas. And it's that the, the clock is at three minutes to midnight, and today we are three weeks to the referendum. So yes. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll know what the result is. Yeah, and and that's a bit scary, you know. Yeah. I wonder what my next painting will be. Where to now? And I suppose that depends on what happens at the referendum. And yeah. That, that clock has some significant numbers on around the face of it too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I've picked uh, certain um, events that happened in Australia, like the Invasion Day, uh, Morning Day, the um, first referendum we had, and I think another date is the Sorry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, a few. I had to Google some of those dates. I knew most of them. There was, yeah. I think, three that I didn't. But so uh, I think the Marbo decision is that. The yeah, so Mar- yeah, that one's there. Yeah, and the Uluru statement date twenty seven. Yes, yes, and that that's right. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And yeah. so your your next work, I guess, is going to take place after the referendum, and we'll see what happens from that result. Yeah, I mean, paintings come. Like, I can't sort of say, oh, I want to do this. It takes me a while to think about it. It's got to get in my head or it's got to be something like I'm really passionate about that makes me get angry or really motivated to (laughs) to get something down on paper. So, yeah, I have in my mind that there will be a painting that says where to now, Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for your time today. (laughs) Thank you, Raymond. It's always good fun. Yes. Cheers. (laughs) 
My name is Wanella McKenzie and I'm uh, Adyamatna Luruja Lower Southern Arunda, but I live in Port Augusta, Bangla country. Your particular work for this exhibition has a very personal and poignant story. Do you want us to tell us about that work? Yeah, so um, I made a piece called Narrow Line and it's basically um, a story that I've been researching. I've been hearing it my whole life about my grandmother, uh, Molly Lennon, who later became Ruth McKenzie. Um, And I was tracing her steps from when she was on country with her family and then was forcibly removed to the Nadatta Children's Home and then later um, to the to the Colebrook home in Corn. So I'd visited these places with my mum, my three daughters and my husband, collecting little bits as I went, whether that be, you know, pieces of the original GAN train line, original nails from that line... And then there was bits of wire that I'd got from the Nadatta town camp, those children homes. And uh, there's a photo that I found in archives of my grandmother almost 100 years ago. She's a little girl and she's standing with a box on her head after being punished. And I had this beautiful dream of this 3D art piece and I wanted to create, I was moved to create this piece woven with feathers. So the entire um, little girl is feathers. And then there is a dress that she's wearing in the photo that um, I worked with a lady to recreate. So it's bringing that story um, from the past into now and showing how, um, you know, the, the past, present and future is all connected um, because of that, you know, that loss of identity, that loss of culture, of language and how that affects not just the past but now. I, you know, I can't have those conversations in, in fluent language with my family like I want to um, because that was taken from me. But also talking about and thinking about how to be strong with what you have and how to own that and being proud of that and celebrating that as well. So um, it's a story of trauma, but it's also a story of resilience. Yeah. And it's an amazing way to get people to reflect on things in different ways as well. Like for my family, having the Afghan heritage and being part of a railway family, I've always been really proud of the GAN and what it represents, but I've never once, until I saw your work, considered that that same railway line was used to traffic children away from their families and their country. That's right. You know, it has such a, a wonderful story of opening up, you know, opening up the country and, and moving things around and, you know, all the hard work that um, that the Cameliers did and how they was also connected and married into, um, you know, the, the mob in the country as well, but also that really sad story that's just not told that it was mo- it was made to also traffic children and you know you think about the the kids as they'd travel along those lines and the things that they was losing as they went along you know and um, the thoughts that they must have had the heartache and that little box that my grandmother is holding in that photo I think of that metaphorically as well of the trauma these children carried throughout their lives and how that box has been passed on to the next generation, you know. But it's also up to us to 
try and stay connected as much as we can and really hold that close and dear. But, you know, my grandmother, she had books written in the 80s and the 90s about her story, but that story was censored. It was censored by, you know, non-Indigenous people and I feel like this is the first time this story is being told by us with a black voice and... Yeah, I'm just really proud to be able to share that story in that way and, you know, that truth-telling. I think it's really important and especially, you know, in this climate that we're in, you know, there's a pending referendum with the yes or the no. I feel like voice is really important to our people and for our people and for us to be using our voice for us, I feel like is the most important thing and it's very empowering. I'm Heather Kamara Shearer. I'm an Arundel woman from Central Australia with family connections to Indaria, Hermansburg, currently living in Port Augusta in um, the country of the Bangala. <laughs> ah, I didn't know you were in Port Augusta. That's where I grew up. Port okay. Augusta. Dad's still up there. Yeah, I've yeah. had families lived there over the years and that when I started when I started connecting with family, yeah. they lived there and then my youngest son moved down there and had a little family and was young, so that's when they had their first first child. We moved down there when our Loretta was born, so that was 16 years ago. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell us about the works that you've created for this exhibition? Yes, I've done a series of three pieces that represent me honouring my grandmothers. One uh, from Andaria, from my family, that's Susanna Fly, a nana that I never met because I was taken as a child, stolen generation person and grew up in Adelaide with the Shearer family and honouring Nana Maggie Cook Gillespie who was my adopted mother's mother and uh, I wanted to do something. Memories I think have been flashing back to me as I'm getting older in my years and going back to my childhood and remembering good times and even though I'd never met Nana Susanna the stories that I've been told and the photos that I've seen of her since I've gone back to my family, I just know that there's been a connection there and that she's always been in the back of my life from time to time. And the embroidery, is that something that you normally work with? No, it's a new genre, a new uh, something different to try. I've always wanted to do it because my memories of, of Nana Maggie um, all the embroidered pieces that she had in her house and the cushions and um, the tapestries that she would have in the house. I just loved the needlework stuff and we tried doing all this kind of stuff. We were try- or trying to be taught when we were little but I never sort of, you know, had the... Um, I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't me and uh, I didn't have the patience for it but I always wanted to do it. So a couple of years ago um, they ran a workshop here in Port, Port Pirie and uh, Ursula uh, and Marika were working on it and they asked me if I'd like to be involved and I said, yes, give it a chance to, to give it a go. And I did an amazing piece that I surprised myself and um, it was um, highly regarded and uh, from there I was encouraged to apply for a mentorship through Guildhouse in Adelaide and uh, Dr Sarah Waters, who ran the workshop here in Point Augusta, approached her and she was... Um, happy to be my mentor so I went ahead and I've just finished the mentorship not long ago and these pieces are the three pieces that I've 
done as a result of that mentorship with Dr. Sarah Waters through Guildhouse. So that's incredible. You must be a star pupil because it's just so beautifully done. All right. It was. Um, I surprised myself. I think uh, these are the second, third, and fourth pieces I've ever done. <laughs> And um, I just really wanted to show the beauty of the flowers. And I thought, where does saltbush country come into this? Certainly I knew that from my country, but I also started to do a lot of research about the thistle and about Scotland. I've been to Ireland. I've done a couple of residencies in Northern Ireland, in Belfast, and I saw Scotland from Valley Castle and on the... Um, from the Giant's Causeway. I could see it in the distance, but I've never been there. So I did a lot of research and, and looked at it, and I real, and then I found out that Scotland is renowned as a saltbush country. So oh. they have two types of saltbush. They have saltbush from the ocean and the highland saltbush. And Nana was from Clydesbank in Glasgow, so she's an ocean person. And as a young girl, I used to sing for the family and with my kilt and all the old um, Scottish songs. I can still sing them, but I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> but maybe on a karaoke night. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Scottish is has been very much part of my life. And uh, um, But inside of me growing up, I knew that I never belonged there. And uh, when I did finally go home and uh, put my feet in my dirt and met my family and um, I've lived there uh, a number of times over the years. I've gone back home and I still go back to regenerate when I need to. Um, I'm hoping to make a trip at Christmas time. Um, but it's, it's, it's the memories and I think it's important that, yes, we have a voice through our art to be able to talk about our journeys that we've gone and a lot of it's not been happy, it's been traumatic, it's been hard and it's it's been gut-wrenching for us to put our stuff out but it's about getting the stuff out of us and put it into something tangible and putting it up on the wall for other people to look at and to take away from them something that they hadn't seen before and in these pieces it's embracing a age-old tradition of of embroidery that wasn't part of my culture in here, in Australia, but it is a, a world heritage. And uh, I looked back into the heritage of embroidery right back through to, I think it was the Gales and, and that in, in through Europe and that and up through uh, Norway and across Scandinavia and all that. And it's just fascinating. And so any type of, of I suppose, medium that you're looking at in art, explore where it comes from. I mean, there was a whole lot of debate about pointillism and dot painting and this and that and stuff like that. And I used to get caught up into discussions and uh, with that and pointillism, you know, that came from Europe as a, you know, like with the movements of the fine arts and stuff like that. But our dot painting comes from our ceremonies, it comes from our culture, it was transferred from our body painting and our ceremonial ground, ground paintings. In, onto doors that came out of Yundamu and then the Papunya movement and that history of that and I think that one thing that you'll notice and you, I hope that you'll see and you'll read in every artist's written work about their artwork and about their identity is that they have gone home to country, they have sat down with their family, they have put their feet in their dirt and they have learned and they, because they listened 
There are a lot of artists out there nowadays that just think, okay, I've got a connection with that one, I'll just start painting this way. I'm this way, but I'll take that from there and this one. We're appropriating our own artwork and it's got to stop. And you look at the magnitude of the commitment and dedication and honour that each of these artists in this exhibition portrays in their imagery, in their stories, and what they are so proud of to share with the audience and everybody that sees it is just breathtaking and I'm so proud to be part of it. I'm Deanna Newchurch and I come from Point Pierce. Lynette Newchurch and I come from Point Pierce but I live at Port Victoria. And do you want to tell us a bit about the works that you've created for this exhibition? Well I was coached into doing the cloak for Lynette, I know. And I've ended up doing it for her. Is that something that you've both worked done before? Make no, a cloak? No. no, very first time. Amazing. Of doing a cloak. And how uh, was that experience? Was it easy, challenging? It was challenging for me <laughs> and that at the very beginning. But then when I got in the rhythm of doing it, it turned out all right. It turned out that. beautifully. And then Lynette helped along the way and that's so yeah and there's symbols and, and designs on the inside of the cloak mm -hmm. can you tell us about those well the diamonds represent the women and on it we've got 12 sisters so it's in regards to the seven sister story because in our country it started with seven uh, 12 sisters and not seven right but seven is what left country oh so there's yeah. still the five sisters five on, country. on country yeah and the V's are for the men, two men that chased them all over country. And we've got the totems. So the kangaroo, the eagle, emu and the shark. And working on the cloak together, well, how long did that take to, to create that? Well, it didn't take long because we were pushed for time and that. So, yeah, uh, yeah but putting our art and soul into it, mm. it came out to what it was. And, and obviously uh, a process before that of learning to create that. Yeah, well, yeah. I looked on the internet first yeah. and that, and then we went and seen Annie Vicky Cousins over in the Grampians and that, and she sort of wasn't, but I already put it together, two pieces together and that, but um, she was quite amazed with the stitching I'd done and how I put it together and that, but... She gave a good lot of pointers to us when we were over there with her and that, and then came back and finished it off. Brilliant. And do you think you'll do more of those in the future? Well, in her mind, she has got it all <laughs> set <laughs> and that, but uh, I only done it because um, it will represent her business, like with her shell making and bringing things back from the past and that reviving it and that so I will stick with her and that and do what I have to do for her even though she's the youngest and I'm the eldest but that's how it was I will make sure that whatever she needs done I will do for her <laughs> and, uh, and that's how it was because that cloak belongs to her now for um, <laughs> her business. That's such a, a beautiful and inspiring way to, to revive culture. Mm. Mm. Tell us about the, 
the shell necklaces that you've created as well. well we lived on the beach all our lives, so, and then we lived by the beach to be in there. So when I seen any um, Lola Greeno's shells, and we thought, oh, well, we got all these shells on the beach anyway. And then I went to the SA Museum and looking at all the old shell necklaces there and having a feel of them and all that. But there was nothing that showed there was none from Naranga at that time. Yeah. But um, I'm sure there must have been because we picked it up <laughs> just like that. So, yeah, we want to revive culture and put it in, install it in the younger ones now so it's not lost. They're yeah. so so beautiful and so delicate. Are they yeah. delicate to work with, those they tiny are. shells? Yeah. yeah, a lot of work to get them to when you're putting them on the string. So, yeah, it's time-consuming, a lot of time. Is there like a whole process in, yeah. in like cleaning Yeah, a lot, lot of broken shells. Oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. But, yeah, but picking them up on all the different beaches. So different beaches got different shells, yeah. So it was travelling. Yeah. Yeah, but once you're there on the beach, it's just calming and, yeah, therapeutic. So it's not work really when you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah I bet. Mm, so it's nice. I guess... Um, some stages of putting it together won't quite won't be quite so calming. Probably a little bit frustrating if oh. there's breakages and yeah, I don't like putting the holes in them because that's where the breakages all come. Right. Yeah, so you got to be pretty delicate how you push on the shells. Yeah, is that something you do by hand or do you use a tool for yeah, that? I need a tool, like a needle. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But not a drill or anything. No, like not that, a drill. No. That'll just shatter them. Right. Yeah. Oh wow. Depending on which kind of shell you're using, but with the smaller ones, you just do a pin or Needle, yeah. And you'll obviously be doing more of that in the future? I hope so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we ain't going to stop yet. Fantastic. My name is Josephine Lennon. I'm originally from Sejuna, but born Purigasta. My father comes from Kupiri. My mother comes from Cornova. And now I live in Sejuna with my family and my grandchildren. And is that where you started your art practice in Sejuna? Yep, at school. So I did a lot of art at school. All right. Sejuna school, yeah. When I was in year eight, nine, ten, then dropped out, didn't you? Yeah. You know, they all drop out at ten. Yeah. Yeah. And is your art, is it a similar style? Is that what you were doing at school? Or? Um, no, it was more like sketch because my... My father was a landscaper, but my youngest brother's a sketch, and my nephew's a sketch and a landscaper. So it's all mixed up. Yep. Yeah. So we've got mixed up artists, and I've got mixed up artists in me too. Yep. Yeah, and so the style that you do now, how would you describe that? I'll describe that different, different to others. Very. Different to dot painting. I started doing that style in 2008. When my old sister passed away, first it was my father who passed, then my older sister, and then as my older sister passed away, I moved back to country, Kupiti. Then I went to my grandmother's homeland, Jesse Lennon, seeing the corrugation, crack, uh, crack mud on the ground. So from there I went back home and 
I started drawing the white lines and just going from there, then just went off there. Uh-huh. And it was really a good meditate, grieving, because I was, I was going through a lot. Yeah. It does look very, very meditative. The Yeah, it's really meditative for me, yep. yep. It, it helped me a lot. Yep. It really fascinates me. I've seen like a, well, now I've seen the work up close and personal, but I saw an image of it online on the Tarnandi website and mm. I'm just fascinated by the the process. Like how have you done that? The the line work is so delicate, but yeah. it's you can see that it's raised off the canvas as off well. The like there's a lot of paint in there. Paint, yeah. So how have you applied those? I put the paint first and I do the canvas black. Then I put the colours as wind and then I put some other colours underneath to change the wind, like turn it. Yeah. And then I'll start with the white and I'll just leave some out just to put the water holes in it. Yeah. So it's it's really it mucks around with me, you know, like it plays with me. It yeah. moves, yeah. So the, my paints and it actually moves with me. So if it moves that way, it'll go that way. If it moves left, it'll go right. <laughs> If it goes up, it'll go down, you know, like that, yeah. So you'll start with an idea, but you just have to kind of follow the painting. Follow it, yeah. So, I, yeah, that's true. I actually follow my painting, yeah, because it, it's the one that takes me, yeah. They're beautiful works, and it's really unique seeing that those layers in the work as well. You, I didn't spot them at first, but then when you see them, they just look completely like different s- again. It's more than 3D. It's like yeah. a 4D. Yeah. I, when I looked at them tonight, uh, today, looking at them, it's just like, it blew me away too because them four paintings there, I had to struggle with them because my mother got sick at that time and I was struggling with her and struggling with the paintings. So I'll go to the hospital, she was in ICU, so I had to go with her, sit down with her for a whole day, then go back to where I was staying and then I'll start painting. And then the next day, it'll just repeat itself. Till she got better, yeah. Woke yeah. up, yeah, and asked me, "What do you do when he supposed to be back home painting?" You know, <laughs> yeah. So it's just struggle it was, but I got there. Yep, and I'm proud of myself. You should be. They look amazing, and it's. I guess when you look at it, you see the struggle and everything else that was going on around those yes, paintings. Yes. But for someone walking into the room and not seeing that, they're just the most calming images to look at and you do yep. just almost fall into them yeah actually sometimes when i look at them it makes me want to cry because what i've been through like with my father my two sisters and my mother yeah it's just it's just emotionally you know to me yeah it's amazing to know to learn about how much energy kind of gets encapsulated in into yep. those artworks yeah that's true yeah they're really beautiful and i hope we continue to see more from you oh yeah i'm gonna do more i'm trying to pass it on to my children my granddaughter she's only 12 and she's got that style yeah so i made her my copyright if i ever was to pass away she'll take over and she's only 12 yeah might do better you never know <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> yeah. yep it's awesome thanks for your time today Marika Davies, I live in Port Augusta on Bangla and Nukunu country, but I am a Wankanoodle woman from the Simpson Desert, Warari, Birdsville area. 
And your role in this project is you're the curator. Yes, I am the Tanani Regional Curator. The very first Tanani Regional Curator, we should add. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> well done and congratulations. The show is amazing. Thank you. So can you tell us a bit about the, the process of putting all of this together? Yeah, so um, the job went out description and I put my hand up very last minute on the last day of closing date. Um, but I, I, I knew a lot of the artists in the region, so I knew I could bring that to, to the job role, basically, and I knew a lot of networks also in the region. And uh, so, travelled the state after winning the position, I travelled the state looking for artists and, and difference as well, because I just didn't want just somebody, I wanted people that are on the edge or they actually are uh, on their way up, basically. So, um, in the end, I ended up having seven women. Two of the ladies, though, are two sisters that collaborated together on the uh, Saltbush Country exhibition, which was amazing in itself because of what they were able to bring to the exhibition. It's just amazing uh, because... You will not get this raw um, work unless you're working with the artists in the region because these in the regions these stories are lost and they're reviving these stories and I was just happened to be um, in contact with them at the right time basically. I feel like you're underselling yourself there by saying basically. <laughs> it's just a, you've, you've obviously created this amazing, safe, supportive environment where these artists have been able to try stuff that they've never done before and do it so beautifully. That's right. Um, I came from an area where, you know, I have to take care of the artists because the, these First Nations, they're not just artists. They have a lot of uh, things, issues going on as well. So I wanted to make them as comfortable as possible working on their works. I want to have the relationship where we can have an open conversation around their works, around what's going on in their own lives. And I wanted to have that respect right across the exhibition. Um, just the opening today, it was just myself, the artist and their support family that they brought to the exhibition today because... Even though it's uh, the exhibition open to them uh, to everybody, I wanted them to feel culturally safe within the space itself and be comfortable in that space. And to me, that is very important for working with First Nations artists. And a really important lesson for for other curators and and other institutions as well to see this is how it can be done and done well. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and having Nikki Cumston as a hero that I've looked up to so many years, I was so happy that I can go to her and ask her about an issue and she will give me guidance on that. And I took it from there. But also just being in myself and being respectful, coming from an artist's perspective as well, um, also played a key role in um, making the artist feel very comfortable and that's... And that's what other curators got to think about. But when you look at an artist, they're not just bringing their artwork. It's their family. It's their community community as well, a part of all of it. They come as a package and 
you have to be sitting back and you just unpack that um, little by little and that builds uh, a relationship and it builds respect and um, and that's what makes the relationship works. And I guess acknowledging those, um, not only the stories and the community that physically come along with the artists, but the the really personal stories that are sometimes being being shared and being offered and presented as part of the exhibitions as well. That's right, and that's because of the great relationship um, we we talk about. We unpack that together, and sometimes you know the kids are flying around at our feet, but we have that conversation. Um, you get to know their family as well, and that's really important to them as an artist because. There were issues that came up in in the space of them creating the work to the opening day today. You have to just have that respect and just work with them um, openly as well. Just having a great relationship with the artists and understanding their cultural background and their family life really does help and knowing your their community also. Even though... I don't know the full depths of their community, but I knew enough where they knew the relationship between myself and them was going to be genuinely respected. So when you compare your experiences as an artist and as a curator, do you find yourself now leaning towards one or the other? I do love my own art practice. I do love that. That is my downtime. But I do love um, being an Aboriginal First Nations uh, curator because I'm already connected to them. I have that understanding where they're coming from. I understand what's missing in the art industry to keep those stories, that respect, um, all in line. Um, So I think that's what also makes it work. being Aboriginal and they're being Aboriginal, I think. And being an artist also because I know what's missing and I, and I think that's why I went down the road uh, looking at curating because uh, it, it helped me see the other side of the art industry that artists don't tend to see and or understand. Where So I was able to manoeuvre myself in that, in that um, instance and educate myself, but also with great mentors like Nikki Cumston and Jess Clark, um, right there helping me, guiding me through this uh, as a pro- uh, the process of being a curator, but still having that understanding what is missing as a First Nations artist in the regions. Saltbush Country is at the Port Perry Regional Art Gallery until the 5th of November. You can then view the exhibition in Adelaide at the Kerry Packer Civic Gallery until the 22nd of March 2024. Tanity is presented by the Art Gallery of South Australia with principal partner BHP and support from the Government of South Australia. The exhibition is on until the 21st of January 2024. Learn more online at agsa.sa.gov.au.